You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rowicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rowicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. I got to give a bit of a heads up before you guys listen to the episode here, but turns out my mic is a little screwy in this episode, unfortunately. Wasn't able to find out until after the recording was done, so just want to give you a heads up that my mic quality here is subpar, it will be fixed, I'll make sure that my baby daughter does not touch my microphone anymore, this is no longer a play toy, and we'll have it ready to go by the next episode. So my apologies for the poor audio quality on my part in this episode, content's still good, my microphone not so great, but uh, just wanted to give you a heads up for that here. Thanks, and enjoy the show. All right, let's get this going. Happy to have you guys back for another episode here. And another positive episode, because we're coming back after uh, a Winnipeg Jets win. Now, maybe not the most conventional way to, to get it done, but the Jets find a way. So we'll break down the uh, win over the New Jersey Devils ahead of the matchup against the Islanders as the road trip continues. Some more trade talk, like I mentioned at the top there. And then some news and notes because it was a pretty it was a pretty bonkers Thursday night in the NHL. There's a few things that we have to get to, and unfortunately, the team that I used to cheer for, I have now officially cleansed myself of their stink. Made quite possibly the dumbest move of the entire day, year, season, all that stuff. We'll get to all that a little bit later on. Uh, but to help me get through today's episode, CJOBs. Tyson Rewicki is here to join us once again. Tice, what's going on? Not too much, not too much. Good to be back. Another another big win, starting to get on a bit of a roll now. Yeah, well, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. I mean, the game against the Islanders is a little scary, even though the Islanders aren't the, the team that they have been the past couple of years. Uh, but I guess that's a problem for future Jets fans to worry about. You know, I, before we even get into this, I actually, I, it's just popped in my head. I, I thought I'd ask you because I, I actually don't know this. And and you're kind of a young guy, so I'm interested to get your perspective and your take on this. But do you have a, a, a go-to food place here in the city? Uh, I know I kind of, I like to try, I like to go all over the place. I like to give, I like to give everything, everything a go. Uh, I'd probably say if one place I frequent is definitely Cane and Banatine. Just 
It's a good yeah, call. And like, and like there, there's always a different menu special, like every every other week. So you're always getting something different. It's a good spot. You can't go wrong going there. Shout out to Mike and the crew at King and Ban, and give um if you haven't seen it or been there yet, second spot too in in Saint Boniface, depending on where you are in the city. Uh, second spot, they do like some of their previous specials and things like that. So you can get a good sandwich anywhere there. But yeah, yeah, King and Ban's a good call taste. So I'm, I'm pretty impressed. Good job. So, Jets win 2-1 against the New Jersey Devils. I think the thing that stood out the most to me, and I think everybody else would agree on this one, and it's it's just weird because it's pretty rare for, I'll, I'll say everyone, but basically everyone, it's pretty rare for everyone to be wrong about a certain player. I think we all got to eat a ton of crow on Eric Comrie this year. Because he's been, I don't know if he's had a bad game. And I know he hasn't played a ton. But he's got four wins in a row. And if he doesn't have a stellar game, the Jets are looking at it, I think, at least a two-goal deficit after 20. Maybe even more after 40. And they're probably not skating away with two points against the New Jersey Devils. He was the the reason that they were able to come out of this one. Not the, not the best performance by the Jets. Certainly not as good as they played against Tampa Bay, but Eric Comrie borderline sit on his head and and he's just, he's had a hell of a season. He seems like the nicest dude imaginable. So, I mean, I can totally understand, you know, fans and players being jacked for him after a night like that, but man, oh man, he has just done a complete 180 on his career when he looked like just kind of a guy, right? He looked like a guy, his previous few seasons, not great AHL numbers, even worse NHL numbers. And then he comes into the campaign this year and and he's been absolutely outstanding for the Jets. And I think clearly deserving of a little bit more game action. Right. And I mean, like last year, he's like, he was a suitcase, you know, he's in, in Detroit to New Jersey, like, you know, it wasn't looking good for him for a little bit. And even those, like even Jersey was like, "Uh, we don't know if we want to keep this guy. We see that their goaltending problems now, but yeah, like he's that he's one guy that's just, battle to this whole career like he's keep just keeps on battling keeps on battling when the cards look stacked against him and he comes out and pitches a great night like tonight like he he was carrying the team from about like the 10 minute mark into from the second till about the five minute mark five seven minute mark in the third he was absolutely the only reason that the jets were in this game and you got to give him a ton of credit and his numbers are are looking great now and people were definitely like a little concerned about going into this year without having a decent backup because Brassois was a nice, a nice backup rock behind Hellebuck, but you know he's he's filled that role just great this year. Yeah, it's crazy. I, you know, it's you know I say almost everybody had their doubts about Eric Comrie, but and this is very upsetting for both you and I. You know who actually said that he might be good this year? Who? Our father. <laughs> you know he, I, and I remember it because I was like, just stop. You don't have to like. I know you're a goalie, but you don't have to. You know, like protect your kind. But he mentioned that, you know, a chance to head into training camp knowing that you're going to be the guy, you know, the backup, but you're going to be the guy that's going to be trusted to spell Hellebuck from time to time. You don't always have to look over your shoulder anytime a puck ends up at the back of your net. You know, you get a bit of a leash and a chance to show yourself and really what is ultimately your final chance in the NHL if you want to sign another contract. And maybe maybe that's it, right? Like maybe he just got a little bit of confidence from 
from the front office and, and from the coaching staff and everything like that. And confidence goes a long way in sports and, and he's taken it and he's, he's run with the ball. He's, he's been great. You know, he, it's funny because he looked in previous years and of course, you know, he didn't play a ton, you know, up with the jets and then some of the other stops he made, but he, he looked small in the net. Like he, he looked really tiny that there was a lot of net to shoot at. And obviously he hasn't grown over the past six months, but he's way more aggressive. He's cutting down angles. He fills up a lot more of the net. He just, he, he looks like a legit NHL netminder. And he's, I have to imagine he's coming back next year. Uh, maybe a bit of a pay raise, but, but not too much of one, which is, you know, right up the Jets alley with Hellebuck there. It's, it's a pretty remarkable story for a season that hasn't had a whole lot of positivity. This no doubt about it has to be one of the bright spots for the Jets. You know, and especially since I know Jets fans coming into the season, we're pretty excited at the prospect of Mikhail Berdan maybe making a, a push for that backup spot. And you know, I'm not com- I'm not completely sold on him. He kind of reminds me of like almost almost like a Mirajic kind of guy. Like those guys, Ooh, like, easy taste. <laughs> but those guys get hot. Like Mirajic, yeah. Mirajic always has stretches where he gets hot, and Berdan can definitely do the same. But I'm feel a lot more comfortable going into next season with Kamiya as my backup compared to Berdan. Now, here's an interesting question. Let's say Hellebuck plays decent or good against the Islanders. I wouldn't even say win or loss, but he plays all right. Do you give Eric Comrie a start in the next game after that? I think you maybe go back to Hellebuck after after the Islanders game, and then depending on how that game goes, I think maybe you give Comrie an extra game either the game after that or maybe a two game break. You know, because you still want you still if you're still thinking about making the playoffs, you're going to need Hellebuck to start to get into a rhythm. And or 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 you play the goalie. Hey, the that's, putting lot, that's putting a lot of eggs into a basket that you're not sure is going to hold up. But I just I yeah, like I'm not saying, you know, start Comrie five, six, seven games in a row or anything like that. But I don't know. I think it's I think it's a legit decision that that Dave Lowry is going to have to make here. Obviously, a lot depends. I mean, if Hellebuck is awful against the Islanders, to me, it's probably a no brainer that Comrie gets to start against St. Louis on Sunday. But Comrie's played well against the Blues earlier this season. I believe he picked up a win against the Blues. I'll, I'll I'll tell you what, unless Hellebuck has a standout performance, I'm going back with Derek Comrie. Because, hey, you need Hellebuck to play good. But what do you need more of if you're the Winnipeg Jets right now and if you're a Jets coach? You need wins. You need wins. And, and Eric Comrie, Eric Comrie's been lights out every single time he's been called into the blue paint. And I'm I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm not waiting for Connor Hellebuck to, to get hot if he struggles against the Islanders. I'm putting Comrie into that game against St. Louis, then you could put Hellebuck back into the net Tuesday night against Vegas. Oh, well, I mean, what happens if, what happens if Kami's gets a little pressure added on and all of a sudden it's not, not as, not as, he's not as relaxed and then uh, it's a couple squeakers start to get by like we've seen before. And then all of a sudden it's, well, maybe we shouldn't have started Kami and now we're. Yeah, then you're out of the playoffs. No, no big deal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, I, I we, we know how coaches generally go in this situation that, you know, Hellebuck's going to get the next, I don't know, three, four, five starts in a row at least. I love the way Eric Comrie's play. He, he just looks confident. And we've seen other teams do this. You know, the Blues have leaned more on Vili Husso this year with Jordan Bennington taking a bit of a step back in terms of performance. I Again, 
I'm not giving Eric Comrie four or five starts in a row, but Hellebuck's going to have to have a, a, a bit of a beauty against the Islanders for me if he wants to get back into the net on, on Sunday against St. Louis. But also, Billy Huso last year kind of, he kind of, he played a decent amount, but he's still, Bennington was still that 1A. So maybe you don't want to mess with a good thing with Comrie this year. Maybe next year he takes even another step. And then you've got a serious question on your hands of, well, do we stick with this? This younger, this younger guy that's going to be a little bit cheaper. Maybe we can get some, some premier assets for. Okay, easy, Tyson, easy. <laughs> e- yeah, you, you get mad at me for saying that uh, Comrie should start Sunday, and then the next thing you already we should move Hellebuck for assets a year. All about the slow build, baby. You yeah. gotta, you gotta bring the tension up a bit. All right, that's a, that's enough out of you. Um, but Comrie was great. He should get more games down the stretch here. I'll be very intrigued to see how the. The split in net uh, continues as we move forward closer to the deadline and closer to the playoff push coming to a close as well. Uh, the other thing that stood out to me the most in this game, this has just been a constant theme for the Winnipeg Jets for the last three, four years for sure. Man, do they ever struggle with teams that have a ton of speed. They just, they don't defend well. They get hemmed inside their own zone. It's turnovers left and right. I mean, that, like we said, the Devils were really unfortunate to be not just down heading into the third, but not up a couple of goals. I mean, the, the entire second period, it felt like, was played inside the Winnipeg Jets' end. And I, I just I don't have a good answer for how they, can, how they can correct that. It might just be a personnel thing. But, man, they just they, – they looked – I think Murata Tesh said it best during the game that the younger, faster team right now is getting goalied by the older, slower team. Yeah, that Jersey team in a couple of years, that team's going to be a real problem. They if they figure out their goaltending, add a couple pieces on that back end, that forward group is going to look real scary with like Hughes, Dawson Mercer's been really good. Jesper Bratt's been awesome. If Nico Heeshear can not not get hurt every every other month, that would be, <laughs> that'd be no, awesome. That would help. <laughs> but yeah, like they that's a team that, that's got a real bright future ahead of them and they were giving the Jets the Jets fits all game like every single time there was a, a zone entry it seemed like the Jets D was just backing off backing off trying to trying to cover up their speed and they were still getting burnt a bunch like even the, like I mean I don't I can't believe I'm sure we'll talk about the refing later but that I mean D- Dylan DeMello got kind of walked around by Jack Hughes early in that first period and Tamalo has to dive slide the Superman slide. dive <laughs> no call there but yeah, like that that team, this is the kind of team that's been giving the Jets problems all year. Just teams that are just gonna keep moving and keep moving. It just seems like too much the Jets in their own zone are waiting for the puck to come to them and not attacking the puck. It seems like there's too much, too much puck watching and too much of oh, this guy's gonna get him. We'll stay we'll stay in our structure. This guy's gonna get him. But when everyone stays in that structure, no one's the other team's just gonna move the puck along the structure. So yeah, I mean, I'll put quotation marks around structure if we're talking about yeah. the Winnipeg Jets defense. But I, I didn't love the back pressure either by the Jets forwards in this game. I mean, Jersey was shooting the zone pretty consistently, right? Like they, it's why they gave up a ton of goals. <laughs> but you know, it, it works in terms of creating offense, and and the Jets didn't have a good answer for for trying to slow them down on the rush. And yeah, you saw the the Winnipeg defense back in a little bit 
you know, maybe earlier and, and quicker than you'd like because they're not getting the support from the forwards. And, and Jersey had a couple of really good chances off the rush there. It's just, I, I, I don't know how you fix it without maybe a change. I, I know coaching can, you know, do things here and there, but it might just be a personnel thing with the Jets that just something you're going to live with, that some of these quicker, speedier teams are, are going to be a bit of a handful for them. And if you're not able to lean on your physicality, you know, if you have a size advantage, it's it's going to be a rough go a lot of the times when you're playing, especially some of these teams out east. Now, speaking of physicality, this might have been one of the better games for Brandon Dillon in Winnipeg, in my opinion. I mean, he scores great. He's pretty aggressive, too, at getting up in the rush, which is, you know, just you don't expect that out of a guy that's kind of labeled as a stay at home defender. But he had a bunch of big hits in the game. Like he, he was setting the tone physically. And I, I've been a little disappointed in that from him this season for Winnipeg. Not, you know, we've just seen it in spurts. He was kind of billed as, you know what, you're going to get a nasty SOB every single night when you come inside Winnipeg's end. Haven't seen a ton of that this season, but I thought he was super, super physical and nasty in this one. Yeah, don't, totally. I, I agree. And he just he brings that certain element to the game that there's not nowadays there's not many D men in the NHL that are just gonna bring that nasty night in and night out. And I I guarantee you if the Jets decided to put him on the market and say, hey, we'll retain a little bit of money, I bet you there'd be a lot of playoff teams that'd be willing to shell a lot of assets out for a guy like that. But I think that he's a kind of a guy that you're gonna wanna that maybe you wanna keep. He brings that element, especially since Stanley's kind of taken a bit of a step back this year. Maybe it'd be nice to have that veteran leadership, but he he's been he's been great, really. Like the, just the past couple games, I think he's been much better, much more engaged, and he's really like. I mean, no one wants to go in front of the net whenever to Brendan Tillens out on the ice. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a fascinating decision, and and I think there is a real possibility that there's a decent chance that Brendan Dillon gets moved to the trade deadline, maybe to a contending team, but maybe even to, to any team. I mentioned Ottawa as a potential landing spot for him. You know, any young club that has a hole or two on the back end could use a guy like Brandon Dillon. So you'd say, well, why are the Jets trying to move him? Well, if you're if you're trying to get a stud number one guy, you're trying to open up a spot on the left side as well for some of the prospects. You know, you, you got to sacrifice a little bit and, and and create a position, an open position for somebody to step into. So so I think he might be a casualty of that. You know, it's a shame that. Dylan Sandberg suffered the injury, you know, so early into his NHL stint because, like you said there, you know, Stanley's been pretty underwhelming so far this season. And I, I thought he had a bit of a rough one again in this one. He, he just looked overwhelmed by the speed of the New Jersey Devils and, and never really looked comfortable in this game. On that note, would love to see Billy Hanela get a game tomorrow against the Islanders in place of Stanley to see what he could do. But, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens there tomorrow afternoon. But Man, it would be nice to see Dylan Sandberg get a bit more action because he's so big and he moves well and he, you know, kind of could fill that Brendan Dylan hole and, and do it at $3 million cheaper the cost with him on his ELC. So ho- hopefully Sandberg gets coming back in soon here because if the Jets do make some moves, you know, that opens up a spot for either him, Hanela, you know, even Stanley to get a little bit more playing time. The Jets know what they have in those guys uh, moving forward. Now, a few more things I want to get to from the game quickly here, and then we're going to talk some trade deadline and then some other NHL news and notes. We'll go to the Devils here, and then we'll end it with a Winnipeg Jets thing. 
it's sad watching PK Subban. Don't you think? Yeah, it's like it's honestly crazy. Like he's he's just a yeah. It's just sad. He's a, he's a shell of the guy that he was, and, and it really isn't all that long ago, right? Like he's pretty young still. He was so good when Nashville went to the to the Cup final. I mean, he was instrumental in that run for them. He was their shutdown D man. Just he, he was outstanding with Mateus Ekholm, and in a few years later, I mean. What is he, a third-pairing guy next year? It's just, yeah, it's, that, that it just stood out to me watching him, that man. Like, that that used to be one of the most electrifying defensemen in the NHL, and, and now he's, you know, the fifth or sixth best defenseman on, on the cellar dwelling New Jersey Devils. Yeah, he's just he's lost all of explosiveness in his in his stride. He's got no he's got no pop, no push anymore. It's it sucks. He's such a he's such a fun player when he was on his game to watch just seemed like every other week he'd make some end-to-end rush and score, but that's what that's what three hip surgeries in four years will do to you. I mean, <laughs> he's got like hip problems, back problems. I can't even. I mean, and he's. You see the commercials, and he's doing a bil- a million crossovers in half a second, and everyone's like, "Oh, PK's back, baby!" And PK will not be coming back anytime soon. Yeah, yeah you know, it's it's funny because I was watching the game with my wife and. Uh, she was just like, I, I thought he wasn't that old just because he, he didn't look as I'm like, listen, he's my age, you know, living in my 32 year old body, 32 going on 52. I, I can get why the body breaks down. I never, never mind four hip surgeries, like just me going to the gym today. I can't even take my shirt off right. I got, this is the shirt I'm wearing for the next three days. I'm just, I'm stuck in it. I can't move my arms. So I, I totally get why, you know, what? It, it, to me, Guys that play well into their mid and late thirties, they're the freaks. Like that, that's not the norm. It's this is what the human body should be doing. You're <laughs> like going into your mid thirties. It should start to deteriorate, and then you become useless because you're playing against some of the best players in, in, in the entire planet. So I, it, it's sad, but PK, I, I totally get it. I can barely move, so I'm not. I'm not going to blame you too much for. Uh, what, what looks to be a pretty uh, a, a pretty sharp demise, and, and you wonder how long he's going to be in the NHL even for. Uh, he's a UFA coming up this uh, this offseason here. Uh, the final note, and this happened a couple times in the game, and, you know, Kevin Sawyer made mention of it, and, you know, I had to agree with him. I, I thought he was spot on with this. But Mark Shifley really, really, really should shoot the puck more. You know, I... I I, I, don't, I don't want to say necessarily passive, but he, he lacks aggression at times when he has the puck on a stick, you know, on the rush, hit it into the zone. He, he's looking for pass like 90% of the time. I mean, he's got one of the best shots not on the Jets in the NHL. Like his, his release is sick, but we're just seeing him pass off too many opportunities. And there was a few chances where he was, you know, 20 feet away from Dawes, an opportunity to, you know, rip one by him. And he makes a low percentage pass instead. So I think Mark Schleifley could be way more aggressive five on five. I, I think he should shoot the puck more on the power play as well. I think he's a little bit too deferential there as well. But have you noticed that with, with Schleifley this season, maybe more so in particular? I mean, he's still on pace for 30 goals, but with how well he shoots the puck, he should be, you know, getting closer to 40 as opposed to just cracking 30. I, and I wonder if that's almost more of a feel thing for Shifley this year. Cause I feel like when he, get, if he gets a goal early, he starts to shoot the puck a lot more throughout the game. And even, and in this game, he starts the game off early with a, with an, it was a nice feed across to Dylan on that first goal. 
and I feel like he thinks I, I, I mean, trying to go uh, unprofessional psych sports psychologist, yeah. but maybe he just starts to go like I, I think maybe in his head he's like, oh, my passing's go going today. I'm not like I'm seeing the play well. Maybe I can uh, maybe I can find some some better looks for these guys that are, other than just like a shot or straight shot on our goalie. But like that one in the third at the beginning of the third period, he had a, that was a breakaway. He had a breakaway. And he passed it yeah. backwards to to Blake Wheeler. Like I, you got to shoot that. You're one of the best players in the NHL. You you got one of the best shots on the team. You got to rip that. You rip that and you put that game. You give your team a two goal lead. All of a sudden, Jersey. Jersey starts to crumble a little bit, and right after that, the Jersey had a strong push too for a couple minutes, and then Jets kind of started to sell down and control play in the Devils' end. But yeah, he's he. I do think that he should be shooting more. He's got a great shot. He's got one of the best shots in the league. Yeah, yeah. You you wonder if maybe the cold spell early on this season has him looking past more than shot right now. But it, it would be nice. I I think you know with that release him pumping in close to 300 shots, be a little bit more selfish when you have the puck on your stick, 300 shots in a season. And he, he's going to be a 40 goal guy. He, he's got it in him, but you know what? That that's, it hasn't been the year of Shifley. There's no doubt about that. Either way though, the Winnipeg Jets pick up a win, but if a win streak starting, perhaps headed into, uh, is it Long Island now or where are they? Brooklyn, Belmont, whatever, who cares? They're playing the Islanders Saturday and then the Blues, on a Sunday. So we'll see if they can uh, maybe chip away at that uh, right now, a five point deficit to a playoff spot. Now some trade talk here quickly, and then we'll close out with some signings, the refereeing, a few more other things in the NHL in just a sec, but we do going to give a quick shout out to our friends over at DraftKings, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Remember if you haven't signed up just yet, big opportunity in front of you heading into the playoffs. New customers, you bet $1 on any team. If they win, you get 150 in free bets. That's right. It's that simple. Beliefs for the Coyotes, you do the easy thing. You bet on the Coyotes, you win 150 bucks. It's, it's that easy. And remember, too, if Sportsbook isn't available in your state or province just yet, you still got a shot to light the lamp with some DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contest. Huge cash prizes available for those as well. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet just $1 on any NHL team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. 21 or older, restrictions apply. See the show notes for details. All right, so let's change gears here. From Jets Devils to the trade deadline, we're almost a week away, Tice. It's it's almost time when when the big moves start to get rolling a little bit here. So we'll get back into it, obviously, when we come back for our next episode on Tuesday, when we'll be officially a week away from the deadline. But I thought we've talked Cops Dasney, Shifley, Dylan, all that. We 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 I think most people kind of have the lay of the land when it comes to potential trades involving Winnipeg Jets players. I thought we'd go a bit of a different route here. We're each going to pick one guy, one trade target for the Winnipeg Jets to take a look at, you know, and, you know, considering their spot in the standings, obviously not a rental. I would hope, God, I would hope not. Chuck Fletcher isn't running the Jets. They should be okay there. But one player that would be an interesting fit for the Winnipeg Jets that they could acquire 
and have them in the fold going into next season. So you want me to go first or are you Tice? Uh, let's, let's hear yours. I want to hear yours first. All right. Well, I'm going to go up front and you know, the jets are, are pretty set in terms of high end talent, but with just, just the way they've looked recently, they've been much more dangerous specifically in the past four games. I mean, maybe not so much against Jersey, but you know, 40 plus shots against Dallas and the Rangers. And then they put up a touchdown against the Tampa Bay lightning and they have an elite player on each line. You have, you know, a Shifley, you have a Dubois Connor duo, and then you have an Ehlers on line three. And so to me, the Winnipeg Jets need to find a way to maintain that balance going into next season. So you're going to have to find pieces that fit in but do so at a bit of a low cap hit, right? It's the kind of that sweet spot where you're not looking for a first line guy. You're looking for someone right now. That's like a second or third line guy that could maybe give you a bit more value than, than what they're getting right now. I really, really like it. I don't know why Columbus is so keen on moving this guy. It's Patrick. No, uh, <laughs> Alex Texier is a hell of a player. I, I don't know if enough people know or, or follow and, and have, have watched him play before. But I, I, I think the kid's got all the talent in the world. And, you know, it's, it's funny because the Jets just play the Devils. You mentioned Jesper Brad having a hell of a season. He's kind of like a bigger Jesper Brad in a way. Like, he's just got, he's got skill oozing out of every single pore in his body. And for whatever reason, it, it seems like the Jackets are, are ready to move on from him. It, it might be... You know, a bit of a, a costly deal if it does end up happening. Um, but he's he's having an okay season this year in terms of point production, you know, just over a half a point a game. You know, a few years ago, he was at that amount and, and playing way less minutes as well. I just think that's that's the kind of guy that the Winnipeg Jets and other savvy teams should target. Somebody that, you know, may not cost you the moon, but could be a potential home run player put in the right situation, maybe with a guy like Nikolai Ehlers alongside him. And he's got, you know, kind of that Andrew Cobb versatility. He could play center. He could play on either wing. That's somebody that I would love, 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 love to see the Winnipeg Jets go after. Yeah. And you want to see one of the slickest shootout goals I've ever seen is look up Tessier's shootout goal against, I believe, I think it was Carolina. He's done it a couple times. That is so, I don't even get how you pull that off that. Like just, it's literally like the, the one-hander. But the one-hander through the air five hole, right? Yeah, it, it, I don't even get how, how you do that that fast. And it get just any places are perfect every like just over the stick, right through the legs every single time. And that is just, he's so slick. And I, I agree that that would be a nice under-the-radar pickup. So, Tessier, for me, I believe you have somebody on the blue line, right? So we get a bit of uh, a bit of diversity here. But uh, just, just one name. I'm intrigued to see who you came up with here for your yeah. trade target for the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, so this uh, this team just signed an, another defenseman to a pretty big contract. Today. Oh, no. <laughs> Rasmus Ristolainen getting, getting some, some big money. Uh, I'm not too sure about that one, but there's rumors coming out that because of that signing that the, the Flyers are going to maybe look to move one of those lefties on their team. And I think that's going to be Manitoba's own Travis Sanheim from Elkhorn, Manitoba, farm boy. I think that yeah. I think that that would be a nice. I think that could be a nice pickup for the Jets because he's a guy that hasn't really 
the, the Flyers haven't really utilized him to strengths like like they did in juniors. Like he was he was one of the best offensive defensemen the WHL has ever seen. Like statistically, he's been he was a top five point per game defenseman in his career for the Calgary Hitmen. And the Flyers, he hasn't really seen much power play time in the league so far. He's a big guy. He can and he skates like the wind. He's really like a gazelle out with, out there when he's really pushing the puck. I think he could be a guy that in a different situation, a team that wants to utilize his strengths more, let him let him push the pace, let him move the puck up and have the kind of guy that can stay back and help him out. I think the Jets would be a great landing spot for him. And I think he could really blossom as a defenseman. Yeah, we'll 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 get to the Risto thing right away because you know I, I joined Winnipeg Sports Talk with Huss and Remo um, earlier Thursday, and pe- people were just curious about what I thought about that. And I, so I, it's, I well, hold, hold, just hold on, we'll, we'll get. To, I, I know, I know, it, it, it's it's maddening. I I just one, I don't get why. Sanaheim would even be on the block if you're if you're the Flyers first off right like he's he's carried that period all season long you you love Rissalainen so much but you're gonna get rid of the guy that's made him a, you know quote unquote as good as he is but I, I wonder what Sanheim's uh, market value would be like I, I wonder what you'd have to give up to acquire him plus I mean the cap hit is it's pretty pretty juicy if you if your team looking to pick that up what is it just a little bit over four million something like that. Yeah, he would. He he'd fit in well with the Jets, and I I know, I, I he's not quite kind of like that number one pairing guy. You know what I mean? Like he's not the. Or I should say he's not a number one defenseman, but he would certainly upgrade the Winnipeg Jets blue line, and I I think he gives them some much needed skill as well. That, that's not, I know everybody talks about you need size, you need nastiness, and all that. I still think the Jets need a bit more skill on the blue line as well. And yeah, yeah. Travis and I would bring that in spades. And anytime you can bring a Manitoba boy back to the beautiful province here in the prairies, you got to find a way to do that. Right. So Sanheim, a Tessier Sanheim trade deadline would be some tidy work by Kevin Chevaldeoff. I don't think that happens, but dare to dream, right? Dare to dream. Um, so those are some targets and, and let me know at Brandon underscore wiki at skates plates pod. Who are some of the players not, that you're looking to see moved out of Winnipeg, but who are some of the people you'd like to see the Winnipeg Jets take a crack at and see them grab one or two assets at this upcoming trade deadline? Would love to know what anybody else is thinking out there that could help the Jets this and next season as well. So we'll close out the episode quickly here, Tyson, some NHL news and notes. All right, let's just get out of the way. Ristolainen, you're shaking your head. You're covering your head. Five years. 5.1 5.1 million. You know what I did today? I looked up how much the bio would be before <laughs> when, when's the next season gets uh, like, what, do you just bite the bullet down with Rissalina and, and you buy about right away and then you don't have to, can, can you make sense of it? And the crazy, I don't even think he's been that bad this year. Like if I'm being honest, what I, I, would say. I really don't think he's been terrible. Like as bad, like the, as bad as his numbers say, I, think the advanced sets are a little bit off there but even if he's been decent this year even if he's decent the move makes no sense you're not playing him on your power play you're he's on the second pair you've already got Provrov making close to seven Ryan Ellis making close to seven and now you've got Ristolainen those guys are making close to 20 million on for your three defensemen alone I, I, I this the move just makes no sense for a team that wants to add 
high-end talent. And now they're not going to be able to add any high-end talent because they've got all this money tied up. Like it, it, yeah. it really just makes this trade makes no sense, especially when, if you really like the guy this much, try and sign him in the off season and try and, and, and recoup some assets for him. Like I, I think for sure they could get back at least the first round pick they gave up for him if they shot them at the deadline. So I don't see why not move him. And then if you really love him, take a, give him the money that you're going to give him in the off season, overpay him in the off season. Then I did yeah. really just completely. I just don't see how they thought this through at all. Oh, they, they, well, <laughs> if they did, they didn't think it through very clearly. This is, this is just exhibit a of why bad teams stay bad teams. And it, there's just so many different layers as to why this is, this is just idiotic. I, I just, I, I don't get it at all. I mean, you have the sunk cost fallacy. Well, we have to sign him because we gave all that up for him. Well, whatever you gave up is in the past. Like you can't change it. No matter what you do, you can't change it. So don't double down on your bad decision by making it worse and committing five years and, and 25 plus million. So, I mean, there, there's checkbox number one, number two, overpaid for intangibles and physicality, right? Like it's just how many, that is like 99% of the bad deals ever signed in the NHL. When you give a guy term and dollars because they're big and they hit people, there, there's a lot more to the game. Pay those guys a million bucks, right? Like how pay them a million bucks and let them hit everybody in sight. Who cares? But don't, don't pay them that amount. And on top of it too, the Flyers, I think statistically have had the worst defense in the NHL this season. Yeah. So their plan is to run back the same group. Like what? It's Mugatu. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills here. It's just the only silver lining that came out of all that Tyson is that I'm going to save 250 bucks next year because I don't need to buy center ice to watch that crap again. So <laughs> that that's the one positive that I'm I'm going to take out of the rest of this Mr. Line and signing. One last thing I'll say to you before we move on to one final piece of news is that for Jets fans that are maybe fed up with Kevin Chevaldeoff or, or would like to see somebody else take the reins as GM, be careful what you wish for, right? Very careful. Shirelli's been been sniffing around. Yeah, yeah. 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 There's been a, there's been a little too much smoke around the Shirelli thing. That ugh, you gotta, but Chevy has his faults. He hasn't been perfect. There's no doubt about that. But there's there's a lot more Chuck Fletchers and Peter Shirellis than there are Kevin Chevaleoffs. So that's that's all I'll just say on that is just just be careful because. The, the the devil you know is uh, you know a lot more a lot more easier to swallow than than what we see out of Philly and, and some of these other very very poorly run teams over the last few years here. Uh, the final thing, this is this is crazy. I I know we say this all the time. NHL officiating is the worst it's ever been. This these past two days have been legendary in terms of of the missed calls. No, I, I, I like, are they even missed calls? I, I don't even know what to like to have Ovechkin water ski Zach Hyman for 34 feet. And the ref is right there deciding not to call it is, is something in and of itself that you have Jacob Chikrin, you know, uh, tackling, grabbing, holding Austin Matthews again, right in front of the official. The funny thing with both those plays is that 
the team that committed the what should have been penalty immediately score. Like if you get, like whenever there's a legendary missed call like that, it always comes with a goal against two, which is I, I just find that funny. But like what at what point is the NHL going to do anything about this? Like are, like what what more do you need to see before you realize that you're a complete embarrassment when it comes to the other major sports in North America? It, it's just ridiculous. But like how how sick would you be as an Oilers fan if if you end up missing the playoffs by one point? Because I, I know they, well, yeah, I, they I know they ended up winning the game yeah. in overtime, but imagine they that oh she's it still ends up tying the game and Capitals score a minute into overtime, and then the Oilers miss the playoffs by one point because and yeah. and and their whole thing is oh well we don't want to we don't want to get too involved with the game. You're literally you're <laughs> like you are affecting standings and and outcomes of games not 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 making calls affects the game yeah like just just stop it with this ass backwards line of thinking that never made any sense but should have been ditched in the 1990s it's just it's it is embarrassing it's embarrassing the league should be embarrassed they clearly don't care right because they would have done something about this they they like, and I think, tell the referees to officiate the games these ways. And it's it's so frustrating. It's frustrating to watch. It's insane to gamble on at this point because how, how could you put any amount of money up and feel semi-confident that you're not going to get screwed over by one of these officials? And look, it's not my money, so, so maybe it's easier for me to say. But I would love, you know, Austin Matthews after the game against Arizona, just no comment. You know, Connor McDavid says literally nothing anytime a mic's put in front of him. I would love to see one of these star guys just come out firing after the game and say, what are we doing here? Right? Like, that's the only way the NHL is going to be forced into a change. You and me bitching about it on a podcast that Gary Bettman doesn't listen to isn't going to really affect change, right? It's going to take some of the heavy hitters in the NHL to just stand up and say, enough's enough here. And and this is coming after McDavid didn't generate a call in the playoffs for, I think, the second straight year. Austin Matthews has not – Austin Matthews is one of the least penalized player. Or sorry, he's one of the players in the NHL that's drawn the least amount of penalties this year, which is – like no league goes out of its way to inhibit their star players more than the NHL. And I'm just – I'm so bloody sick and tired of watching this crap night after night after night. And now we see that it's affected, almost affected two teams in the standings and the playoff race, you know, playoff spots, home ice advantage. I I just, yeah, I I don't know what it's going to take for the NHL to get their head out of the sand when it comes to their officials. This, this year has really shown that Gary Bettman that it's time for a new commissioner that Gary Bettman doesn't really have a grasp of what the NHL needs to do today to, to gain popularity. I mean, and even like you take the refing situation, you add in the Arizona and Tempe arena whole fiasco. Like, could you, could you imagine if, if the Jets went to, went to the NHL and were like, hey, our arena is not going to be ready. Um, we got to play, we got to play in Steinbach. That's or, what I say. We got to play at the Highlander this year. No biggie, right? They'd be like, they like, go, go screw yourself. You guys are moving. Yeah. Like, you guys are gone. They would have been in Houston before they finished the phone call. Yeah, it's like this, and for three years, so like three years of thirty five hundred fans. Like Connor Bedard gets drafted by the 
Coyotes and his junior team holds has more a capacity than that garbage stadium. Yeah, Batman's got to go. Yeah, well, you know what? We'll we'll end the episode on that note. And it's funny to me because there's very little all hockey fans can agree on. But I think the major consensus that that everybody can kind of go kumbaya on is best sport, worst league. It happens time and time again. And this week, Arizona, all of that just shines a light that there's no sport in my opinion, that even touches hockey. It's just a shame that, you know, the people that are in charge of the sport, the one major, you know, professional league in, in on the planet, just just can't get a good grasp and, and can't get out of their own way. Well, and They can't even, like, at least the NBA does, like, a two-minute report at the end of every game if they miss a call. They'll say, yeah, hey, we missed that. Like, you can't even do that. Like, just show, like, any accountability. It's just yeah. crazy. 100%. 100%. Well, we'll leave it at there, Tice. Appreciate you stopping by once again, joining the show. You're off to CJOB. You're actually starting Monday, right? Yes, sir. Bright and early. Yeah, bright. Oh, bright. Oh, look at you. I know you like to stay up till, or you like to sleep in till like 1130 in the morning. So have, yeah, have have fun with that. I I hear you're, uh, you're co-hosting the Jim Toth show. Is that correct? Oh, I don't, I don't know about. Yeah, <laughs> I don't, I don't know stuff on that on any toes. Yeah, well, hey, but the the one piece of advice I'll give you is steer clear of big rig. Steer clear, he will run you over and he will take you out. You don't touch his microphone. <laughs> awesome. Oh well, yeah, I appreciate you stopping by again, Tyson. So we'll have you on sometime soon. Okay. No problem. Anytime. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for stopping by and listening to another episode of Skates and Plates here on the Hockey Podcast Network. That's it for us here. We'll be back at it, like I said, Tuesday morning, breaking down Jets Islanders, Jets Blues, looking ahead to Jets Golden Knights, and we'll officially be under a week away from the NHL trade deadline. So we'll get the latest news regarding the Jets and regarding the rest of the NHL when it comes to that. Until then, though, enjoy your weekend. Stay safe, everybody. We'll talk to you on Tuesday morning. Peace.